The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I'll be talking about um, not exactly what you thought I was going to be talking about today. I know that last week I ta- told you that I was going to be talking about pumping, but actually, long story made short, that we're going to delay that one. Uh, so what I'm going to be talking about today actually is a little different, which is about inverted nipples. I think I've probably heard as many inverted nipple stories as there are out there. And I would kind of like to set the record straight here on what it is, what it isn't, uh, help you to know whether or not you actually have such a thing. And then I'll talk to you a little bit about the how that happened anyway. How come some people have them, some people don't? What does all of that mean, if anything? I will go over a little bit with you on the do's and the don'ts, some treatments in general, and I will also, if we have time, I'll talk to you a little bit about what happens when your breasts start filling with milk, which is actually not really the same, but sometimes there are some similar things that occur with that, and so I'm going to help you to get all of this sorted out. All right, it's just been kind of a really busy time for me here. I've been, uh, I guess, kind of recovering from all of the traveling this spring, and I will be going to a convention this coming week, actually on Wednesday, and uh, I've been uh, busy putting my fall course together, which, by the way, I would just like to advise you that if you are a professional or you would like to be a professional and become a lactation consultant, I will be giving my 90-credit course this coming fall. The first one will be in Chantilly, Virginia, which is just outside of Washington Dulles Airport. So you've still got plenty of time, of course, to register for that program, but I do want to let you know that as the lazy, hazy days of summer kind of fade that comes around maybe sooner than you had thought. And so I would just like to kind of help you to realize that fall comes sooner than most of us had planned on. I'd also like to give a thank you to our sponsors, New Rue Baby, and that's newrubaby.com, and also New Angel, which is newangel.com. And then let me launch right in what I to what I have to say today, which really has to do 
with uh, inverted nipples. Alrighty, this is kind of the story that I sometimes hear, which is more or less along the lines of, my doctor told me I have sore nipples. No, no, not sore nipples. That's a whole other show, sorry. That I have inverted nipples. Does that mean that I can't breastfeed? Or what does that mean? All right. Well, the first thing that that means is that good for your doctor that he or she is actually looking for that because it is an important assessment. It's just like measuring your fundal height, that is your uterus, or measuring your blood pressure or anything else. This is an important thing to look at. I do want to tell you, however, that whatever the doctor might have observed in the early part of your pregnancy might not be what he observed in the later part of your pregnancy. So even if you have heard that you have inverted nipples, um, don't stay awake worrying about that. That problem can sometimes resolve spontaneously. So the short answer is, are you able to breastfeed? The answer is yes. It may be fairly simple. It may require a little extra management on the part of the person who's helping you. And I hope that somebody is helping you if you have this issue. It's not rocket science, but a lot of women just kind of don't know how to handle it quite themselves. So I guess the first thing that I should do is set the stage by saying that there are any number of variations that one can have in one's nipple. It's the same as your fingernails or your earlobes or your toenails or anything else. Not everybody is built exactly the same. So try to keep in mind that while it might not look exactly the way that you thought it was going to look or somebody else thought it was going to look, it doesn't necessarily mean that it's bad. It just might mean that it's different. Okay? So keep that in mind. I would also say, boy, this is a hard call, but probably most of the inverted nipples that I've seen, I think I might say are on one side rather than both sides. But certainly, I have seen them on both sides. So that can occur as well. So your first big clue might be, if you have a nipple that looks different on the right than on the left, or then that's maybe a clue that you have some sort of a nipple variation. And it might be an inverted nipple, understanding that it might be something else as well. Now, inverted nipples are not all the same. There are some that are very slightly inverted. There are others that are somewhat moderately inverted, or they might even be folded, and I'll talk about that in a minute. Or you might have what I call a pseudo-inverted nipple, or you might have a truly inverted nipple, and it has been that way since the day before you were born meaning you were born with it, okay? So it could be any of those things. So let me back up and explain a little bit. You might have just a very slightly inverted nipple, and if so, usually those resolve either spontaneously or with just a little simple tapping on it. Sometimes that's enough to bring it out. 
some people have sort of a moderate inversion. If so, you can, tr- and by the way, that is how I always start. I always suggest to the mother, start by just a little tapping on it. See if that gets it to pop out. If not, try just a little gentle rolling. See if that will help it to pop out. You can try that. And if it's moderately inverted, that may well do the job. The other thing that would do the job about a gazillion percent better is if you simply get the baby onto the breast, if the baby will get a good open wide. And this is important. The baby needs to get a good open wide. And if so, what you will find is that moderately inverted nipple uh, very well might just pop right out for you. Okay? So that's a distinct possibility. The third one is if you have a truly inverted nipple, and it has been that way since birth. Usually those are the ones which, I don't know if I can describe it to you without a photo, but they're the ones where the nipple is actually inverted below the level of the surface of the skin. All right? So those require a little bit extra attention. We'll talk about that uh, when we come back from, from the break. Now, I also want to back up. Because sometimes people have what I call just very short nipples. And this is important because a lot of times, a lot of times, I hear people say, oh, you know, so-and-so told me I have an inverted nipple. No, actually, you don't. You just, or or better yet, sometimes they will say that I have a flat nipple. Well, mm, you could say that I'm parsing words, but to me, there's a difference between a flat nipple and simply a very short nipple. To me, if the nipple is visible, but it's just very, 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 very short, that's a little easier to manage than one that is just absolutely flat. So there's any number of variations there. Now, I mentioned a minute ago about how you might have what's called a folded nipple. It's difficult to describe these because it really depends on what the length of the nipple is. The and, and by the way, folded is sometimes called dimpled nipple. So if you have one that looks like it's a little dimple, that's probably what that is. But dimpled nipples, also called folded nipples, are above the surface of the skin. These can be easily pulled out with the fingers. They won't stay out. All right, they won't stay out. But if you can pull that out, then I would guess that maybe that's what you've got. And by the way, again, doing radio is always very difficult because you don't have any AV aids to show here. But I think that it would be fair to say that most people know what a belly button looks like, okay? If you've got a nipple that goes in like a belly button, that is probably your inverted nipple. If you've got one that goes out, that is your everted nipple. And the everted nipple is what is normal. I'm hesitating to use that word because there are certainly a lot of variations of normal. But nonetheless... If your nipple is everted, that is, if it protrudes beyond the surface of the skin, that's what's going to be easiest for the baby to grasp, and that 
is going to be your eburted nipple. So if you got that, you're probably set. If you're pregnant, you need to keep listening because that might change. Again, during pregnancy, sometimes it doesn't always shake out exactly the way you thought. So in essence, what I'm trying to tell you is there are different kinds of things and you shouldn't get ahead of yourself with what it is or what it isn't and you shouldn't have to diagnose yourself, heaven knows. But I think that it is a reasonable thing to say that when you get that comment of you've got an inverted nipple, to really be asking a few more questions, to be looking at yourself, trying to decide if that really makes sense to you. And if somebody says you have an inverted nipple and you can't breastfeed, I guess you better find some different help. Because I I would say that there are a number of different kinds of strategies that we can use for those, and I'll talk to you about that later. But absolutely, these things can be helped. All righty. So, before we go to break, I would just like to thank our sponsors. I'd like to most definitely thank New Roo Baby. Take a look at what they have, a number of things, but just please notice that snaps on the New Roo Nursing Scarf provide endless options for coverage and for style. That's New Roo closest to baby, excuse me, closest to mom, best for baby, N-U-R-O-O-B-A-B-Y.com. And also have a look at New Angel. That's N-U-A-N-G-E-L.com. Have a look at those new uh, breast pads that they have out. They're biodegradable, discreet, no super absorbent polymers, and the cotton is next to your skin. That's New Angel, made for mothers by mothers. Hey, don't go away. On the other side of the break, we're going to talk about how you got these nipple variations. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. What sets apart VoiceAmerica.tv from the other video content providers on the Internet? Choice and flexibility means that you can host your video content live or on demand on the main VoiceAmerica.tv channels through your own branded media player or your own private TV channel. We support multiple media formats, so all of your video content can be in one place. We offer a number of advertising and video packages. For more information, visit VoiceAmerica.tv. If you think you've seen online TV like this before, let us surprise you. Your life, your health, your network. 
You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. It's Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. Thank you so much for joining us this evening. I'm really hoping that maybe, just maybe, you're joining us live. If you're joining us live, I'd like to invite you to give me a call. Tell me about your issues with inverted nipples, short nipples, folded nipples, dimpled nipples, whatever it is you have. And I will repeat that call-in number for you. It's one 866 472 5792. I will take questions at half past the hour if you're interested in calling in. I know it's a little creepy to talk about your stuff like that, but if I'm the only one that you can get that information from right now, I'm happy to help. If it still feels like it's too threatening to verbalize your your issue like that, feel free to send me an a email at radio at borntobebreastfed.com. All right. So before we went to break, I was talking about a bunch of different variations and I want to reiterate the whole idea that these are variations, okay? It's not the worst thing that's ever going to happen. So I would say, first of all, understand the word inverted and everted as we sort of talked about in the last segment. What When the nipples are everted, it means that they do protrude outwards. And some inverted nipples are actually a lifelong problem. Others will evert with some gentle pressure or even spontaneously. Now, let's talk about the nipples that are inverted in early pregnancy. Actually, some of those will, again, just spontaneously evert later in the pregnancy and I think that's true, especially with women having their first babies. But regardless, nipples that were everted during the first trimester of pregnancy may become inverted during the third trimester. So this is why I said it's really important that your doctor was looking. That's a good thing. And for this reason, you want to have somebody looking at those more than once during your pregnancy. Now, some nipples are not truly inverted. They kind of appear to be inverted. In fact, actually, when you look at them kind of quick, that's what you think. It's what I think. But when they are compressed, they will readily evert. So as I often say in my course for professionals, what it really comes down to is what is the nipple doing at rest? What is it doing when it is compressed or stimulated? Now, in these nipples that are sort of the pseudo-inverted, or sometimes the, the fancy term for that is umbilicated nipples, uh, here the ductal length is adequate, but the underlying connective tissue is deficient. So what that means is there's not a whole lot of stretchiness. And hence, the nipples at rest don't protrude from the base the way that you'd think that they would. 
Uh, but they certainly can become everted either with your hand or with your suckling baby. Now, what about these inverted nipples that are a lifelong problem? Well, during fetal development, your nipple is formed. And usually what happens is that those lactiferous ducts, kind of those, uh, I usually call them the transport systems for the milk, they open into a shallow depression called the mammary pit. And from there, what happens is that the cells uh, are grown and they, they form the nipple and the areola and the pit elevates. When the cells make all that growth, but they don't elevate, that's when the fibers become tied and the nipple becomes inverted. So that's kind of a short explanation of what that's all about. Now, honestly, if you have had an inverted nipple since birth, which is actually before you were born, uh, I think it is highly unlikely that there's going to be any change even after you are into your third trimester or even after you deliver the baby. So I'm just kind of warning you that if you're thinking that that is going to just magically go away, um, probably not, okay? Uh, Sometimes these are associated with fewer ducts or sometimes abnormal ducts. So you really should make sure that you have a professional who is verifying that you're producing enough milk. I'm not saying you won't, okay? Understand? I'm not saying you won't. I'm just saying make sure that somebody has an eye on that. And, of course, that the baby is weighed frequently, gaining weight, and that all is well in paradise, okay? So there are any number of treatment strategies. We're going to talk about those sort of in a simple way, And then we're going to talk about those in some more detail. So let me start, I think, with just some simple do's and don'ts. First of all, if you have one of these variations that I have described, I would suggest that you start by trying to tickle the baby's lips a little bit. You can do that with your finger or with your nipple, doesn't matter until the baby opens really wide. The really wide is important. And look very carefully. You know, almost always a baby can open wider. Everyone that I've ever bumped into, he kind of opens wide and he's like, oh, was I supposed to do more? Yes, honey, you were supposed to do a little more. So this is probably the most important thing that you can do if you have that inverted or even that what I call pseudo-inverted nipple. By all means, try to get the baby on the inverted side first. Because, you know, here's what happens. Generally, the baby is more hungry when he first goes to breast, and he may be more likely to take whatever's offered. And then, in a few days, what I think you'll find is that sometimes some of those fibers become a little bit more elastic and the inversion is not so bad, and then it just kind of, every, like everything just kind of gets better. So you can certainly uh, try to do that. Now, here's another thing. I mentioned earlier, I always try to get people to just start by just tapping 
very gently on the nipple, sometimes that's enough to bring the nipple out. If not, you can roll just a little bit. Now, I'm not talking about doing some icky contortions here, but just a little gentle rolling, and sometimes that's just enough to pull that nipple out. Now, here's another one. You can try, I'm holding my hand that I'm sort of trying to explain this to you. I'm holding my hand in what's called the V hold. So my index finger and my middle finger are forming like a V. And if you put your fingers on the breast like that, and if you sort of pull the tissue back towards your chest wall, you may find that that will be enough to just help to uh, evert that nipple. And sometimes with some people, they end up using the C-hold, which is where you have your thumb on the top and the fingers on the bottom. I don't really think that works as well, but hey, if I'm out of ideas, it's worth a shot. I would say try anything that might entice the baby to suck. For instance, you might try putting a little colostrum onto the nipple or squeezing a little colostrum right into his mouth. And sometimes like he's like, oh, wow, this is worth doing it for. Okay, well, there you go. So that might be helpful if the baby gets to taste it first. Now, we're going to talk a lot more about shells. But one of the things that you might consider is wearing a breast shell. I don't necessarily think they're the be-all and end-all, but I think that in some cases they can be helpful. So stay tuned because we're going to talk more about that. Uh, Try using the pump, an electric pump, a hand pump, whatever it is, for just a few seconds. I'm usually reluctant to do that because I feel like then you've got to be dependent on yet another piece of equipment, and I would rather avoid that if it's possible. But, hey, it's worth a shot. There are a number of things, uh, different brands of what are called everters on the planet. And you can get them locally. You can get them online. Uh, I can talk a little bit more about that if you'd like. Now, some people will say, well, Marie, what about shields? Uh, I'm good with, well, I'm mostly good with shields. I don't really like to use shields, but I would say that if you have a seriously inverted nipple, this may be absolutely the way to go. Uh, Sometimes you've got more of what I guess I would call fluid retention, and that happens sometimes if you've had epidural anesthesia. There, the nipple is not really inverted. It's not even pseudo-inverted. It's not uh, dimpled. It's not folded. It's not any of those things. It's just plain, really, really short. And if so, you can do a little bit of what's called reverse pressure softening. I'm not a big fan of that because it's just one more thing to teach, and I always like to go from simple to complex, try the simple things first, but that's another possibility. So another one would be, uh, uh, we talked about shields, right? And it's important for you to know the difference between shields and shells. So those are some of the do's. I'd like to go through then the don'ts. Don't let the baby latch on in increments. That is what my friend Rebecca calls slurping the nipple. And you know what I mean. They go like that. 
all right, they're just taking in a little bit at a time. Um, I don't recommend, I don't know of anybody who recommends Hoffman's technique. That came around, I think, in the 50s, and uh, it has never been shown to be effective. It, they really did a lot of these strange contortions. Uh, it was not effective. All it did really was cause uh, some nipple damage, so I don't think you want to go there. If you hear about it, trust me, bag that. Do not use ice to get the nipple to protrude. I know, I know what you're going to say. You're going to say, yeah, but Marie, the ice would help the nipple to come out. Yeah, it does. But it causes another problem, which is ice interferes with signals to the brain that create the milk ejection reflex. So if you're engorged, ice may be applied to relieve the breast distension after the feeding, but it should not be applied to nipples during or before the feeding. Okay. So there's a whole pile of your do's and don'ts. And on the other side of the break, I'm going to talk a lot more about shells. And I'll talk a little bit about shields. So don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Take us on the go. It's even easier now. The Voice America Talk Radio Network has launched our mobile app for iPhone, Android, or BlackBerry. Visit the Apple iTunes App Store, BlackBerry App World, or Android Market to download the app powered by Aircast. It's free and no registration is necessary. In minutes, you could be enjoying your favorite Voice America Talk Radio host, no matter where you are, in the car, out and about, while traveling, or anytime you can't be close to your computer. Catch up on the archives you've missed or discover new shows on the spot. Search Voice America at your favorite app store. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to Be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. I'm Marie Biancuso. Thank you so much for joining me today on Born to Be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. All righty. So before we went to break, we were talking about the do's and the don'ts. And I said, there's some simple ones. And then there are some some things that are more equipment related. There was one thing that I guess I didn't really say I sort of implied, but let me be really clear about it. Another important thing to do is make sure that you're breastfeeding your baby, especially in those first few days, about every two to three hours. Why so? Well, because 
the more full, or I should say the more overfull that your breast becomes, the more difficult it is for the baby to grasp it. So you really want to keep the milk flowing and sort of on an even keel, if you will, so that it's easier for the baby to grasp that nipple. Otherwise, you're going to have a a situation that's even more difficult than what you already find yourself in. All right, so I'm going to try to just summarize a little bit of what I said. I talked about the possibility of breast shells. Stand by, I'm going to talk a lot more about that. Uh, The Hoffman technique, which I said don't do that. The possibility of doing a breast pump. And let me just say here, what you're going to do with the pump, if you have it, is that you can put the... uh, Put the pump on, and it will help to draw out the breast, excuse me, the nipple before you start breastfeeding, and that makes latching easier. By the way, since I just stumbled over that word, it would probably be a good time to say, when somebody says to you, you have inverted nipples, you can't breastfeed, just remember, you are not nipple feeding, you're breastfeeding, okay? So a lot of times... This all works out. Now, the pump can certainly be used uh, to sort of break these adhesions that are under the nipple because it applies some uniform pressure from the center of the nipple outwards, and that can be helpful, certainly. Um, I talked about everters. There are a couple of different kinds that are on the market. They're fairly small, lightweight, compact, easy to use. Uh, I can't really say that anybody has ever said that they're uh, painful or uncomfortable or anything. So I would say, and by the way, this is a Marie thing. To me, if it's fairly inexpensive, fairly non-invasive, and if it has any hopefulness of trying to help, it's worth a shot. All right? I'm not saying it's going to do it, but actually, there are a lot of gals who have had good luck with these. So... You might try that. So I talked about tapping, rolling, um, pulling back on the breast tissue, probably with that uh, V-hold. And I did mention nipple shields. But I also want to just say that I gave one whole radio show on nipple shields. So I'm not going to really talk a lot about those tonight, other than to say, if you have an inverted nipple, that's one of the possible strategies to use. So one of the things I guess I'd kind of like you to understand is, do you see how many possible things there are here that would be helpful in getting the job done? You you can't just back away and say, well, not going to happen. All right. So I want to talk about shells. Shells are different than shields. Shields are this sort of thing. It's a device that is worn over the nipple during the feeding. Not so with shells. Shells have sort of this small opening in the center of the uh, inner ring. And then you put this top thing onto it. It's like a dome-shaped device. And the whole idea for this here is that you want the shell to put enough pressure on the ducts so that the nipple everts. 
Now, I'm not going to tell you that these things are all a walk in the park, and I'm not going to tell you that they're a magic bullet either. But again, they do sort of fall into my category of fairly inexpensive, fairly non-invasive, worth a try. So I have some very specific recommendations that I would give you about breast shells if you choose to use them. All right. So first would be ask your healthcare provider to check if your nipples are inverted during pregnancy. And if so, the shells are most likely to help if they're worn during late pregnancy. I do want to say, though, that it's never too late to try. I have given them to women postpartum. And if they're going to work, then it's, it's worth a try. Remember that breast shells should not be worn before 36 weeks of pregnancy if you have a history of preterm labor. Why so? Well, because in theory, you are putting some stimulation on the nipples, and this can trigger uterine contractions for some women. Now, you know, of course, that I'm going to tell you I am not here to give medical advice. I am not a medical doctor. What's more is, even if I were a medical doctor, I can't see your particular situation. But this information is of a general nature. It is intended for information only. It is not a substitute for the good assessment and advice of a healthcare provider. But that being said, I would also add, yeah, after 36 weeks, it's worth a shot. So here's what you do. To use the shells, you snap the inner ring onto the outer shell, and you place the opening over the center of your nipple inside of your bra. So they kind of sit inside of your bra. I usually encourage people to find a brand that fits snugly, but not tightly. And honestly, sometimes you have to try some different brands. Nowadays on the net, there's just all sorts of brands all over the place. So don't necessarily feel that you need to be confined to what you can find locally. I would suggest that if you are going to use them, first of all, hopefully you are being taken care of by somebody who's actually taking care of you, not just me, all right, because I'm not taking care of you. But uh, generally, shells are worn for about uh, one to two hours a day in the beginning, and then gradually increase your wearing time. Now, continue to use the shells until your nipples protrude to about a quarter of an inch to three quarters or to uh, three eighths of an inch from the surface of the skin. Is that an exact measurement? Well, no, but I think it's a reasonably a reasonably good estimate. It may take a couple of days for that to happen. It may take a couple of weeks for it to happen. And honestly, sometimes it just doesn't work at all. So don't really feel like this is absolutely a magic bullet, but it's worth a try. Absolutely stop using the shells if you have contractions or if your nipples feel uncomfortable or if your nipples are still inverted 
two weeks after you started wearing the shells. Why so? Well, because they're probably just not going to work. I would also say consider, not do it, but at least consider using the shells during labor. For some people, that can be helpful. For other people, they just feel like they're the biggest nuisance in the whole world. Reconsider using the shells after delivery. Sometimes nipples become more everted as the baby suckles, or (laughs) there's the flip side of it. Sometimes nipples become less everted because the breasts are filling up with milk, okay? So you kind of have to reconsider if this is the time to do that. Or, you know, sometimes a sheesh, sometimes you get, I, I don't think I would say instant results, but some people will get results in, you know, four or five or six hours. And then I would say just then take them off and put your baby on and see if you can get away without them. So it really, again, you've kind of got to figure out how to, how to do this. Do not repeat. Do not wear the shells at night. And do not wear them 24 hours a day. You're putting a lot of pressure on those ducts that are underneath there. And I guess, in theory, it always seems to me as though you might be setting yourself up for a plugged duct. I always worry about that. So I would say, don't wear them at night. Don't wear them 24 hours a day. Now, another piece that some people don't really know is your milk will kind of leak down into these shields, or excuse me, into the the breast shells. You should not save and collect and feed the milk to the baby, all right? This is what's called dripped milk. And this dripped milk is, first of all, been sitting there. It's been sitting on your body. Your body is, of course, like everybody else, got some uh, staphylococcus on your skin. You really don't want to be collecting and giving that milk that has been sitting in the shell to the baby. All right, so that's that. So then, one of your questions might be, oh, and finally, if you have questions, to me, this is a situation where if you have something like this, you really should be talking with a professional, all right? This is, is not a completely do-it-yourself kind of job. All right, so that's shells. I just want to address this just a little bit, and that is that people go goofy about the research around shells. I want to get my dibs in on this because I could just talk forever about how the, the, this kind of makes me crazy. Um, the effectiveness of prenatal breast shells has been disputed. I, I get that, and more than once. Some women who wore shells prenatally in the studies were less likely to initiate breastfeeding, and they complained that the shells caused discomfort, embarrassment, sweating, rash, and milk leakage. But you know what? I've not necessarily heard that from women, and certainly not from all women. Now, for women who were highly motivated in these studies, however, the factors did not seem to be a deterrent to breastfeeding. What I think impressed me the most, or should I say 
what did not impress me, depending on how you look at it, is these negative results were very misleading in these studies because the studies looked at the continuation of breastfeeding rather than the eversion of the nipple, which I just found ludicrous. I, I just didn't understand why they didn't measure the nipples when they got to the end. So I would also say that there have been a few studies that have addressed prenatal use of breast shells. And to my knowledge, there is still no study that has addressed postpartum use of the shells. So you could say in one breath, well, Marie, where's your evidence-based practice? And in another breath, a breath I would say there's no evidence that really uh, shows that it's a bad thing either. So just my two cents, you need to figure it out for yourself. I'm Marie Biancuto with Born to be Breastfed. Don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Are you getting ready for your IBLCE exam? Do you want a time-saving review without having to travel? Marie Biancuso's new guided study review is the perfect resource for you. If you're wanting to listen on the go, get our premier package, which includes over 60 12-minute audio casts, a 400-page companion guide, and much more. Best of all, you'll get a live Q&A session with Marie via webinar. You'll walk into the exam confident you'll pass. Call today at 703-787-9894 or visit us at www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. That's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1 866 472 5792. That's 1 866 472 5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. This is Marie Biancuto. I'm your host for Born to be Breastfed on the Voice America Health and Wellness channel. All righty. So what we've really talked about here today are the whole idea of inverted nipples. I've, I hope that I've been successful in helping you to understand that not all things that are labeled inverted nipples are actually an inverted nipple. I hope I've helped you to understand that even with the thing that might be an inverted nipple, it doesn't necessarily mean that all of them are all the same. Some of them are very slight. Some of them are moderate. Some of them are substantially more involved. Some of them will resolve spontaneously. 
Some of them, yeah, there are some that never entirely resolve. I would say that some of them get better with the next baby. So if you felt that you had that issue with your last baby, please don't feel that you necessarily will have it with the coming baby. That may or may not be the case. So take heart. What we've talked about is not only the fact that there are the inverted nipples, but also short nipples, dimpled nipples, and and then there are some other oddball variations, too, that really don't have anything to do with inverted nipples. So, uh, by the way, I did not really talk a whole lot about the folded nipple, sometimes called the dimpled nipple. I did mention that you can pull that out with your fingers. You can, but I just want to warn you that when you do that, you got to quick, quick get the baby on because although you can pull the nipple out, it will not stay pulled out. So you kind of got to be really fast on getting that job done. Okay, so that's that. Uh, we talked about some do's and don'ts and different strategies, and I hope one of those things will work for you. Before we wind up today, there were two questions that were, I, I've, oh, oh, wait a minute, I forgot, I have to tell you. World Breastfeeding Week is coming up. What are you doing for World Breastfeeding Week? You haven't thought about it? What do you mean you haven't thought about it? Okay, well, you got to think about it. And if you're having trouble thinking about it, you should definitely go to our Facebook page. And you know how to do that. By the way, feel free to like us while you're there. And uh, we're planning some special uh, festivities for World Breastfeeding Week. World Breastfeeding Week, which, of course, happens uh, the first week in August. It starts on August 1st. So stay tuned. We have some cool stuff coming up. And that reminds me also, this is a little bit different than World Breastfeeding Week, but it is that many of you who are listening, I suspect, are probably going to be taking the IBLCE exam at the end of July. If so, it's not too late to buy our practice tests. We, It's not too late to do our audio review. I think you'd have to really hunker down for it, okay? And I don't know if you could finish it, but if you really start today, you probably could. All right, so... There are some ideas for you. And before we go today, I just want to tell you about a couple of questions that I've had just in the last, I don't know, week or two. Uh, here was one. The mother was had the baby, was breastfeeding, apparently had some issues with being sick herself. And as I understood it, the baby had some issues with you know, stomach trouble. I hate to use that word. Uh, baby was having some um, difficulties, some fussiness, some whatever. And so somewhere in there, you know where I'm going with this story. The baby got the formula and then the baby continued to get formula. Luckily, the mother decided that she felt that she wanted to make sure that her baby was getting uh, her milk. So she decided to even though the baby by now and the baby by now by is 2 months old and she doesn't particularly want to go to the breast but the mother decided that maybe she could give the milk out of the bottle in her freezer because she had pumped her milk and somebody told her that milk that is 2 months old is too old to give to the baby if it's been in the freezer for 2 months all right I cannot think of any authority on the planet 
not the Centers for Disease Control, not the AAP, not the World Health Organization, not the Academy of Breastfeeding Medicine, not anybody that I can't think of anybody who would say that milk that has been frozen for two months would be outdated for the baby. Now, we could probably have a whole radio show on <laughs> what what constitutes old because obviously uh, it's it's there are just some different trains of thought on this but definitely 2 months is well within a range that I would have no compunctions about whatsoever. All right. And then the other thing was really kind of a sweet little story. I was at a party yesterday and there was a woman there who uh, recognized me and gave me a little blip about the night that she delivered her baby. She'd had a cesarean section, and then she had a breastfeeding experience, which honestly, for all the life of me, she's telling me what's going on, and I, I truly don't remember it. But anyway, uh, I thought it was very interesting that apparently she had gotten some very bad advice, and I apparently told her that that was advice that she didn't need to take. And I did what I usually call planted the seed of doubt in her mind. It's really not up to me to contradict the primary health care provider. However, there are some cool things that I do here. And I do like to plant that seed of doubt for mothers because, as you know, this show is all about busting the myths and clarifying the facts. If you feel that you have a myth that is floating around, if you feel that you are not clear about the facts, you need to get the facts and get rid of the myths. So anyway, this mother whose child is now all grown up, actually, uh, she said to me, then they they said something like, well, where did you get this information? Who's been talking to you? And I thought her reply was interesting. She said, I am a mother and I can make up my own mind for my child. I would encourage you to do that. I've said that before on this show, but honestly, when she said it to me yesterday, it really impressed upon me the importance of, and by the way, she apparently didn't say that loudmouth nurse told me, but it's really important for you to be an advocate for your child. And as that child's mother, you may, in fact, make up your own mind as long as you have the facts. Now, if you don't have the facts, that's something else again. But if you have the facts, it's up to you to make up your own mind and to be an advocate for your child. Okay, so have you ever sat down on a Monday night and said to yourself, wow, where do these two hours go? Or where does this one hour go? I, I don't know, because we've got less than two minutes here. So we've really got to be thinking about closing out today. I would especially like to thank our sponsors, uh, Nuru, that's NuruBaby.com, and New Angel, that's NewAngel.com. And I'd like to thank all of you for listening to Born to be Breastfed. I hope that you'll come back next week. Meanwhile, I also hope that you'll visit my website. I have two websites, and the one that you visit depends on who you are and what you're looking for. If you will visit borntobebreastfed.com, you'll have a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, Remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education. 
on the web and sometimes in your city. If you're a professional and you want information about my upcoming courses, it's www.breastfeedingoutlook.com. I'm Marie Biancuto, and I promise that I will help you to bust through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby. We'll be right back. 